Welcome, everyone, to Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree. So this is the show where we dish out tips and advice for mystical business owners and service providers. Now, you might be wondering what a mystical business owner is exactly. So, Teresa, do you want to tell us about what we consider a mystical business owner to be? Absolutely. Hi, everybody. We are super happy that you're listening in today. And mystical business owner is, well, you know, if you're working as a tarot card reader like myself or an astrologer, Reiki healer, intuitive counselor, you know, any kind of oracle or medium or you know, uh, any kind of sacred art. If that's part of your profession, we're talking about you. So, again, I'm Teresa and Ms. Bree. And I am Bree. I am Bree, and we're so happy to have you all here. So, Teresa and I have both been self-employed sacred artists running our own businesses for decades upon decades. It's the elegant way that we like to say that. And we know what goes into running a successful business. We know how much heart, grit, and hustle it takes to get your business afloat and keep things rocking along. So we do this show together once a month because we love sharing the business strategies that we've learned over the years, and we love seeing our fellow mystics thrive and succeed. And each episode of Talking Shop, we love to tackle different topics that we think might help you with your business. And, you know, oftentimes we feature a special guest. Now, today's topic, I think, is a really important one. It's called Creating Online Classes. And our uh, guest today is Andrew McGregor from The Hermit's Lamp in Toronto. So thanks for tuning in. Let's get this show started. Welcome, Andrew. Hey, thanks for having me. We're yes, we are so today. delighted to have you. Ah, uh, yeah, we we're both really thrilled to have you on the show, Andrew. So we knew when we when we started this topic, we knew that we we wanted to go to you because we've both taught in one of your online classes, and we knew how pro you did the whole thing from A to Z. So let's begin by talking about one of the big questions, which is how do you begin? taking an idea and turning it into a class. What is your process for that? So I think for me it starts with being clear about what the focus is and really working to keep a really clean idea of what it is that I want to offer and why. Because it's so easy for anybody when you start teaching to plan 50 hours worth of material for a two-hour class or to, you know, think that you're going to teach one set of things, but then you get into it and realize there's something else that you want to get to. So it really needs to start with being super, super clear about what it is that you're offering and why. You know, once you're once you're clear about that, and if you're going to take your course online, then you can start to get clearer about how much time do you need? How many uh, sessions is it going to be? Is there going to be interaction or not? Is it just a lecture? Are you going to offer something as a pre-recorded series of classes or even as a series of scheduled emails? Um, or is it going to be live where you're going to hope get people to show up and be part of the space and be interacting with your t- you as you're teaching? You know, so I like to sort of go through and think about those different kinds of things because each one of them 
offers different kinds and qualities of engagement, and each one requires different levels of uh, energy and attention and, and so on. So in your yeah. opinion then, yeah, well, uh, sorry, I had to butt in like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I'm just excited about this topic So, because I've taught some online classes too, and I've taught a lot of in-person classes over the year, and I know, Bree, you've done both, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, my question then, we're talking about how to take an idea and turn it into a class. You know, then you got to start thinking. You know, what are the benefits between between doing it online versus an in person for both teacher and student? So my question here is, when you are creating a class, you know, what are the benefits of doing it online instead of doing it in person? And how do you decide which one your which one's going to be better based on what it is you're teaching? So, I think that. Uh... You know, there's a couple ways to consider that. One is, if you're teaching some tremendously obscure thing that there are only like 20 or 30 people around the planet who are interested in it, then teaching online makes sense regardless, right? If your community or the people that you're hoping to reach with this material are really scattered, um, you know, you're not going to make sense by trying to convince people uh, most likely anyways, to sort of show up all in one place. You know, running running conferences is just tremendously complicated and expensive. So, you know, if you're sort of thinking of it that way, then running online makes a lot of sense. Um, if you have a really strong local community already and you want to reach a lot of those people, I find that local people often feel strange about taking an online class. And so, you know, if you have a very... Uh, busy meetup group or something like that, you know, you might want to consider running it locally instead. And then beyond that, it starts to get into questions of what kind of experience do I want to offer? You know, do I want to share slides and videos and, and other kinds of multimedia works and, and so on? Because those can be really easy to do online uh, and can require more technology in person. And, you know, also some of the other advantages of teaching online are that you can record it. So you can offer it to people who are maybe in other time zones. So in that way, extending your reach. Um, and you can, you know, depending on how you set it up and do it, you may be able to sell that material afterwards as well as a sort of ongoing way to build and even out your business and cash flow. So I'm going to ask you the same question, Bree. How do you decide between whether to do it online or whether to do something in person? Do you have something that determines that for you? Well, I really like Andrew's response. Um, mm-hmm. I think that I think that you know the I think you're 100% right, Andrew. But if you do have a local community, um, asking them to hop online can be a little staticky. So, you know, you, you have to like, you have to do a little bit more, um, persuasion if you, if you have local people, um, because the attitude then is always like, well, just teach me tarot right, you know, here. Like, let's meet up for coffee at your house kind of a deal. Um, for me, 
you know, as a, I, as many of our listeners know, like I started my business right around the time I had my little one who is now six and, and started the business in the form that it's in now full time. And so online, everything for me was a godsend um, because I wasn't, it wasn't easy to get out of the house and it, nights were especially not easy, you know, and so in a local community, often that's when you would meet up. And I've done a lot of facilitating of classes face to face in various places that I've lived. Um, and, and I really loved the flexibility that the online platforms gave me. So for me, it's a question of what the material is. How does the material need to be presented. You know, there are a few things that I will never teach online because I really feel that they need to be passed down person to person and in person. Um, and so, you know, that's something that like you would come and see me in person for, right? But then a lot of what I teach, it, it actually flows better when I'm able to offer it online. And you know, something that you said before, Teresa, that I think really speaks to this too, is that you're able to meet people. Like, I've met so many of my students that I never would have met otherwise. And quite a few of them are in places that are not super friendly to the sacred arts. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I have a student that's in the Bible Belt, um, you know, she or he can't show up at the metaphysical shop to take a class on tarot. There is no metaphysical shop. There is no class on tarot in their local community. Um, they have to do it online, and they can be online, and they, they can remain as anonymous as they want to, which can also be really helpful. But it also helps people not feel so lonely in their practice. So those are all some of the things that I think about. What about you? Because you have also done both. I've done both, and I, I have to tell you, I really do prefer the online thing. Uh, in person, mm-hmm. I don't get me wrong, I do like in person and it, I love it, love it when I get to teach, like I taught at Omega recently. I enjoyed it so much because, you know, you're really forming these wonderful, intimate things. But the reason why I love online is because it is so unbelievably convenient for me and also for the students who want to study with me. You know, oftentimes I'll get people who will write to me and they say, hey, I want to take a class with you. I see that you're teaching in yada, yada, yada. I can't make it. So an online class really offers me to reach people who might not ever be able to take a class with me you know maybe they live too far away it's not convenient maybe they're um, a shut-in and they can't because of a physical reason come to a class so I find I just think it's just super super convenient that's just my thoughts yeah I also really loved what you said about looking at the material for a class I think that was such a good point not to cram 50 hours of material into a two-hour class (laughs) for sure right you know i mean it's one of those things where you know when i'm teaching online i'm often uh using slides and sharing that with people so that we can you know have have the same visual very easily especially if it's something like showing card spreads or things like that and you know it's one of those things it's easy when you're making them to make like 50, 60 slides in no time at all. And be like, oh, I don't have a thing for this. I don't have a thing for that. Um, but, you know, how many of them are really important? How many of them are repetitive? How many of them speak to stuff that maybe needs to be in its own class, right? 
You know, I mean, it's it's easy to get really excited, and especially once you're, you know, well-versed in whatever you're going to be teaching, you can probably talk for days about it on end without interruption. But that's not what an online class is, right? It needs to be uh, focused and structured. You need to think about that, that arc of where you're going to take the person and how are you going to get them there and get to make sure that they've integrated and learned what you're teaching them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, the other thing I have to say about online that I really like is that, you know, you can record things and you can make it into a video in some cases, like if you use certain platforms. And I think that that can also be something um, really beneficial for students. Mm-hmm. I, I often yeah. hear people tell me that they've circled back and watched the class again. You know, I ran some classes on the Tarot de Marseille like three years ago, four years ago, and I still get emails a couple times a year from people who've taken that thing. I was re-watching the classes and, you know, some new things to date for them, you know, so it's, it can be really helpful if people are dedicated to go back and look at that material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I mean, and I have... Another nice thing about doing online classes is, you know, mostly we're talking about them in terms of, you know, paying students, which is awesome. But you can also do an online class for free. And because you don't have to rent a space or find a space and you don't have to provide refreshments or, you know, any of those things, you you can create something that is evergreen. You know, uh, three years ago, I went through the questions that I got asked, and the number one question was how to pray, and which I thought was really fascinating. So I created a, um, you know, a little booklet, and it includes an online portion where I'm teaching and talking about the different forms of prayer. And I still have that as a giveaway when people sign up for one of my mailing lists. And every year I get so many emails from people who are like, thank you so much for this. Like, it really, really helps. So that that evergreen quality y'all are speaking to is, is really handy as well. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. So, you know, one of the questions that often I hear people bring up, and it's almost like this is where they stop, right? Like, you have an idea for a class, and then you're – you're ready to take it online, and then this is where people get tripped up, is what platforms are the best for online teaching? So I would love to know what you use, Andrew, and what you use, Teresa. And if y'all have used different ones, like let us know what those are. So uh, I use Zoom, which is zoom.us is their website. And... You know, when I was looking for platforms, it was um, it was recommended on a podcast about Mac technology that I was listening to, but it's universal. And, you know, I've been with them for probably the last three years now, and it's super straightforward. It's really easy. It's way more affordable than you think, like $10 a month gets you going. And it's probably enough for almost anybody listening to this. Um, and so, so it's really straightforward. Um, I've used GoToMeeting and some other ones that I, that I can't remember anymore. But, you know, it's always this thing. 
there's there's platforms out there that'll charge a million dollars and you know what do you actually need the platform to do for you you know mm-hmm. for me uh i need everybody to be able to show up in the same space um i like the fact that zoom allows us all to see each other so anybody who has a webcam uh can can use it and and we can all see each other um and they've been pretty stable and solid with me uh and and you know i think that those things are good they offer recording online or on my computer which is great and you know all of them have kind of the same features like chat rooms and and so on and screen sharing um so you know i think it's it's ultimately it's a matter of choice you know take a look at what's available it's been a while since i reviewed the options um because i've been perfectly happy with what i've been doing so i don't need to change it um you know and i i remember lots of them offered you know lots of lots of call-in numbers from different places or like there are certain features that depending on who's taking your class you might want um but you know i think that it doesn't need to be expensive and a lot of these um platforms are aimed at sort of enterprise business people and they kind of charge them accordingly right so they they mm-hmm. think that you're AT&T or whoever and that you don't mind spending $200 a month on something but you know really that we don't need it you know and when i started doing these i was using google hangouts and uh skype group calls for a lot of them when when you know i was starting only had five or six students on the class you know i used those platforms which were free and and they were wonderful too mhm well what i you know over the years i've used different things i've used like instant teleseminar and um that was a, a thing that I used for quite a bit. And I also just recently switched over to Zoom because I got introduced to it through Andrew. So, Andrew, when I saw you using it, I thought, you know, this is better because it's allowing people to actually see me. I can share my screen. Um, Zoom is super – it's not too totally expensive. You know, like some of the programs like GoToWebinar, uh, those are ones that I always shied away from because of the cost was prohibitive. But I found that this tends to be, Zoom tends to be very reasonable. So, so far, this is the one that I like working with as well. Uh, I love that you can share the, once you've done the class recorded, that you can share the recording so easy. Uh, I tend to store mine on their cloud, which, you know, there's an additional fee after you, of course, use up your gigabytes or whatever. But I just think it's so utterly convenient. What about you, Bree? What are you using? You know, I have a combination of things as well. Um, I like instant teleseminar. That's what we've used for talking shop. And I've used Zoom. I've actually used Zoom. I have a uh, philosophy book club that I'm a part of that works with Zoom. And so I'm super familiar with it. And I like Zoom. But sometimes for me, the video becomes very distracting because I want to look at people in the eye, and to do that, you have to look at the camera, and it, it confuses me, right? So I like instant teleseminar, and then I also have had for, like, my bigger courses, like for Spinning Gold, which is a year long, I have a custom classroom that is built into my WordPress site that that is not um it's pretty it's not super fancy but it has all of the materials in one place and then you know the other thing that I've recently started to really use 
um, afterwards have seen it for a long time, were our um, private Facebook groups as kind of the forum for the class. And that has also worked really, really well. So, you know, and, and that's nice because you can share pictures, you can share homework, um, you know, you can comment and ask questions, and it's all in one place, relatively easy to find. And so that combination has really been good for me. Um, I looked, I agree with you, Andrew, you know, I looked earlier this year into some of the, like, really fancy platforms that are now out there for teaching and what really struck me is that a lot of them are are as concerned if not more concerned with your marketing as they are with your actual content and so I think for our audience and for our purposes um, you know uh, those robust platforms are really offering a lot of things at least for me that I was not going to take advantage of so I really like you know, a, a bridge line of some kind, whether it's Zoom or it's Instant Teleseminar, a place where all of the materials can live. I mean, that can be as simple as, like, a password-protected page on your WordPress site, and then a forum where people can discuss. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that it's really – there's a great thing to think about in there, which is how tech-savvy are you, right? I mean, I'm pretty tech-savvy. I'm, you know, I was shooting when I when I first first started shooting stuff like this. I was actually uh, not doing live, but offering the videos, and I was shooting video and um, during live classes at the shop in Toronto and re-rendering it and uploading it to a server and doing all sorts of stuff to, you know, that was was a lot of back-end heavy kind of things, and you know. If you're if you're a person who really wants it to be plug and play, then look for that, right? Like Teresa said, you know, Zoom will offer you the option to do that. Many of these services will offer you those kinds of things. Um, you know, make it as easy as possible for yourself if that is what's realistic for you or what's within your skill set. Because, you know, you start getting into having files and all sorts of different servers and, and places and so on. And then, you know, something changes and you're like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing or it gets lost. And, you know, people people have paid money and they can get quite upset about that if the things aren't smooth. So, you know, being, being very mindful of uh, it's not complicated and there are many not complicated situations and there are some more technologically complicated ways to do things that might be maybe a little cheaper or whatever else, but don't don't get yourself stuck there because you think you can't do it. Just pay someone to do it for you, like Zoom to host it. Um, and don't step into an area where, where you feel super stretched and uncertain. You know, build up your skills around that and get clear about it first because you want to deliver something that's going to be smooth and unstressful because I, I've found for sure that, you know, one one misplaced link, you know, and it's amazing how much time answering all those emails and to to, to apologize for your mistake can take. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things mm -hmm. that I recommend too, because I think sometimes uh, the tech can be very intimidating. You know, a lot of people who are sacred artists are not really necessarily fond of like tech stuff and and then come into things like 
a, a bridge line or something like Zoom, and they really freak out because it does look like it's a lot to handle. And so I really advise taking time out to do practice runs with a buddy before you even enter any of these classrooms. And that's what I did with my um, with all of these things. I would, like, use my daughter as my tech practice buddy, and we would, like, go over all the bells and whistles and look at the tutorials and practice. So that way, when it came time for showtime, there was less likely that I was going to be flummoxed if something went wrong. So I really recommend when you're signing up for one of these things, don't be intimidated, but do take time to practice it because that will get you ready and confident, and you might find out, hey, this isn't as hard as I thought it was. Mm -hmm. And many of them offer free samples, so you can get two weeks free or whatever, and, you know, take that time, play with it a bunch, schedule phone calls with, you know, like Teresa does with her daughter, and, and, you know, play with it and see what's going on there so you can be sure that it's going to be something that works for you. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, recently I taught a class with uh, Shaheen Miro, and we used Zoom. And so we we also did a practice run uh, over the class with the class, but also with the technology. And we practiced going back and forth using him as a co-host and what would happen if suddenly my Internet went out or his Internet went out. So we also practiced worst-case scenarios, which I think is a really smart idea when you're doing these online platforms because then you're going to again be like, oh, this is what I, this is what I have to do. So let's go into another question then so around this. I, I want to share. Oh, go can ahead. I share a, a worst case scenario. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I was teaching this class, and um, I think it was Christoph Carosa, who's um, a, a Tarot de Marseille teacher who lives in South America, was teaching one night, and you know, so he's in South America. I'm I'm in Canada and there are people sort of all over the world and the power goes out at the shop and I have uh um what they call it, the uninterruptible power supply. So like the basically the battery backup that gets you a certain amount of continuing to run your computer and because the internet comes through its own line it wasn't interrupted. But all my lights went out and I was sitting in the dark with nothing on but my computer monitor, which was running off of this battery, and Christoph was teaching, and every 60 seconds, my battery supply backup would go beep, beep, <laughs> just to remind oh me that it was God. still running, as if I didn't know. And I was sitting there really wondering what was going to happen if I ran out of battery before the class ended and would, you know, would everyone be disconnected if my computer powered off? And luckily, it didn't come to that. But, you know, this is one of those things. And it, it was just a, a fluke. It got windy and, you know, a branch fell off a tree and knocked out a line to, to my neighborhood. And, and that was it, right? Like not even snowstorms or hurricanes or anything predictable, just this sort of random, unforeseen thing, you know? And... Luckily, it all worked out just fine, and I muted myself so nobody else could hear that. But, you know, you've got to be ready to roll with that. And, you know, one of the great things, you know, you can do in those cases is if you have a co-host, even if it's just someone who's a a trusted client or a friend who's taking the class, is to kind of share that host's 
uh, privilege with, then then Mm -hmm. that will continue to run the class even if you get kicked off the service. Right. Yeah, that's a great example of of exactly the kind of thing that that we're talking about. And I also think another another aspect of that, Andrew, is you know with a lot of these different um, systems that we use to teach, knowing like, do you have to be there as the host? Do you need to be there in order for the party to get started, or can you know your students start to log in? without you being there because every system in my experience is a little bit different when it comes to that. Um, I used to host a magical mastermind group and I would always be the first one who needed to go because I was in a later time zone. I was in an earlier time zone than everybody else. And and I'd be like, well, y'all can keep talking. Have a great one. Bye. And I would hang up. And finally, like the third time I did it, one of the other lovely women in the group was like, just so you know, every time you hang up, the call disconnects. <laughs> and I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, you know, you can, you got to try these things out and ask people to tell you. Because as you say, it might take them a couple of times to say something. You know, there's there's something happened recently where I'm teaching this class where a course, where a lesson goes out every two weeks through email, and it's all sort of auto-scheduled through MailChimp. And when I sent out lesson 10, it turns out that nobody got lesson nine two weeks previous, and not a single mm-hmm. person had mentioned it, you know? And, right, right. You know, and... and, and so you never quite, you can never really be sure, and that's where you got to test it. And you know, if you have a mail out or other things, include your email on that list and watch for it. You know, and, and be attentive and set reminders and and ask people, you know, right up front, like, hey, if anything funny happens, I might not have meant that to be the case. Send me an email. Right. You know, since we're talking about this tech stuff, and we've already given some suggestions on you know, teachers who getting tech savvy. I'd like to hear your advice, Andrew, not just for what you would say to teachers who are not tech savvy and they're really worried about this, but how do you deal with students who aren't tech savvy? You know, how can you avoid tech drama with them? Let's say they can't figure out how to log on, they're, they keep dropping, or, I mean, I don't know if you've had situations like that, but I'd love to hear what do you do when you're not tech savvy or your students aren't. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm less sure what to say about when when the teacher is not tech savvy. I mean, I think that that is, as we said, a matter of uh, practice and, and getting used to it and, and building up your skills. Um, you know, I've been sort of working, working and being a, a borderline nerd in computer stuff for a long time, so... I kind of no longer remember what learning that stuff was like. Um, but with students, um, I think that there are a few things that you can do. Um, certainly, it becomes all about communication, right? You need to really be clear about what you're available for in terms of support and and when. So one of the things that I always say when I send out an email uh, when people have registered is, hey, go download the software, try it with a friend, 
Make sure that it works and opens on your computer. You you can't message me 30 minutes before class and say, I can't get this to work because I will be unavailable to help you then. You know, so really being clear and setting that, that expectation. And then whether they do it or not, at least you've been super clear with them about it and they've had the opportunity to deal with it because, you know, I've certainly had a few people uh, over the years last minute be like, you know, I, I, cause I turn off all my email and my Facebook and everything to teach. And then I go back on afterwards and someone sent me 10 messages saying they can't log in. And it's like, well, sorry, but you know, we had time for this. Um, another thing that I've seen people do, uh, which I don't tend to do, um, more so because my time is very limited, but, um, you can also have, uh, like a 10 minute intro call. You know, like, hey, let's, now that we're all signed up for the class, let's all get together and test run it. You know, if you're really worried about the client base of people who are, uh, taking your course in a technological thing, uh, you know, set your registration a few weeks out to close and have a, have some kind of let's all test run it call at one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that could be very helpful. Uh, and, you know, also be mindful of that pointing people back to the services that you're using for their tech support. You know, I've, I've told people, I'm like, I don't know what that, that challenge is. You should get in touch with Zoom and see if they can sort it out for you. And, um, you know, there have been a few cases where that hasn't gone well, but in general that's been super helpful. And the final thing is, is if you're going to run a Facebook group, or something like that, like a private sort of message group, um, you know, suggest that people put that there and let the community of people taking the class help field some of those questions too, because I find that often there are people in the group who ran into a bump, sorted it out, and know the answer to something that I haven't even encountered. And so when somebody says, oh, you know, I, I, I'm on this kind of tablet that I've never heard of, I'm like, oh, yeah, I was too. The button's in the lower left corner. Do this and you'll be good. You know, so you can kind of, people can get support from a variety of places. And I think that, you know, thinking it through, test running it, and letting some, letting other people be part of that support network can really help make sure that you get where you want to go with it. Right on. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I remember when I uh, sent out, I think the first year I did Spinning Gold, I had a uh, sample of the course that people could download and didn't know that it that it did not work on certain tablets. And so found out midway uh-huh. through. And like you said, Andrew, I agree with you. Like, you know, <clears throat> I, I, I have found that, you know, if people are going to get annoyed or frustrated or kind of have a negative attitude about a class, it's usually around the tech stuff. So everything you said, and I have certainly seen in in my own Facebook groups, like people come together and they're like, oh, yeah, this is how you fix this problem. Or people, multiple people saying, I'm having this problem, which is also really useful to know, right? Like, if there's sure. something going on that you don't that you don't know about because nobody tells you they didn't get lesson nine, then it's useful for you know eight people to say, hey, 
I didn't get last night. It wasn't just me. Well, and I think that especially if you're somebody who's uh, maybe maybe struggles with boundaries a little bit sometimes, um, or somebody who isn't super super confident on the technology, you know, one thing to always consider is it doesn't matter how clearly you say stuff or how clearly you put stuff out there. Sometimes people still come back to and be like, you know, why. One of the things that that I offered at one point because of technological and bandwidth limits was that the um, the videos were only streaming. That is, you, you could only watch them in a web browser. And you could watch them in any web browser, anywhere you had internet, but you couldn't download them. And, um, you know, we've come a long way since, since the download and bandwidth was such an issue. But and And every time I ran a class, somebody would say, how do I download them? I can't get them downloaded. And I'm like... Did you see point three on the on the page? It's right there, you know, and of course they didn't or they didn't read it closely or whatever. Um, so, you know, it's important to own what's going on, like, oh, man, I sent the wrong thing or I, I didn't know it wouldn't play on that tablet. But it's also important to be really clear about, you know, honoring and owning, you know, the limits that you've put out there and making sure that, People are aware of that and not being afraid to point back to them, too, if people uh, didn't see them, you know, and then kind of handle them from there. Yeah, that's huge. Hugely mm-hmm. important. So as we talk about our beloved student, what is your advice for keeping the class on target and on pace and moving along and, you know, not getting side rails and not getting stuck in, you know, like sticky questions that are going to take the next 15 minutes to answer. Um, so when I make a presentation um, or a slideshow, usually I have time markers associated with different parts of it. So, you know, I I expect that the introduction will take this long. Um, I put in time for people to share, and I'm going to cap that at a certain point. And wherever something starts to stray from that, I then, you know, cut it off. You know, I'll speak up and be like, you know what, we need to move on in order to get all the material coverage. Or we need to, um, you know, this this question is is kind of off topic. So if you post it in the Facebook group, we can have a conversation about it there. Um, you know, so it's a matter of owning that you're the only person there who's going to keep it going to its sort of aforementioned preset end time because people are going to be excited. And people, you know, especially if you're working on personal stuff, people's issues and stories might come up and they're going to want to share or deal with that. And people's curiosities are going to come up and, and all of those things. And that's wonderful. And that's, that's what you want. Um, but you need to, you know, sort of stay true to covering the arc of what you're doing, because especially if you're teaching a multi-series class, you know, it's really easy to kind of get way behind schedule. And then it's very hard to catch up because, you don't want to shortchange the the knowledge transfer, and so I think 
again, depends on what you're teaching and how you're going to teach it, being mindful of how much time you're going to allot for stories and sharing and questions and how much you're going to need to just keep moving and be like, all right, so that was half our class on the Ace of Wands. Now we have nine more cards in the suits to cover in the last half of the class, you know? It doesn't work very well. <laughs> so you want to kind of be be aware of that and keep an eye on the clock that you can see. And, you know, I, I, I usually make a separate, um, or, or when I've been teaching with Carrie in the courses that we've been doing, um, you know, we'll, we'll make this sort of separate um, slideshow that it, it's not for sharing, but it, at the top of each of it, it basically just has, because we're co-teaching, who's teaching it, how long it's going to be talked about for, and then the other sort of teacher notes. And then we'll just keep that. I run it on, not on my computer, but on my iPad to the side so that I can just keep looking at it and keep looking at where I am and where's next. And then Carrier, I can kind of lean in if we need to and be like, <clears throat> so moving on to the next section, Andrew, if I'm being long-winded or what have you. Um, you know, it's important to to construct that into your plan for teaching. And, you know, as Teresa was saying, you know, run run the class. Go through it out loud. You know, it's kind of like giving a speech that has to be five minutes when you're in high school. <clears throat> you know, you need to speak it aloud to know how long it actually takes. Right I think that's really important, yeah. though, you guys, for any class, whether it's, you know, online or in person. Um, I find that some teachers will just kind of wing it, and I think that you really do a disservice to your students. When I'm doing a class anywhere, for whether it's online or whether it's in person, I always make sure I time the heck out of it. And I practice. You know, if I don't have someone to practice with, then I'm just practicing out loud with, you know, the cat in the room, just to make sure that I am totally cognizant of how my time's going on. I want to make sure things are tight. There are too many times I've been in a class, both online and off, where the teacher seems unprepared. Uh, you know, or, or I even, I, I'll never forget somebody I know who I do happen to love told me that when they do these in-person classes, that they just put together their presentation at the last minute. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I, mm -hmm. I think it's really important to stress here, you know, not just to do a practice run with the technology, but to really make sure that you do a practice run for yourself because there is nothing worse than a flustered teacher who seems to be all over the place. I, I think it's really unprofessional. And like I said, I think you do a real disservice to your students. Yeah, I think the people sense. who are capable of winging it are not that many, you know. And I think right. that it requires, you know, there, there are topics that I'm capable of winging because I've taught them 20 or 30 times now, you know. So I'm not really winging But that's winging not winging it, it I've though. I've rehearsed it 20 or 30, exactly. Yeah. I've rehearsed it 20 or 30 times, and I can adjust it to fit certain time frames or whatever. But to think that you're going to get up and talk about something you've never talked about for the first time in public, it's really unlikely you're going to do a great job at that. And, mm -hmm. you know, that it's just no good for anybody. Mm -mm. Yeah, that's right. And the worst so is when you I've... see somebody realize it halfway through the class. <laughs> and they're like, they're like halfway through winging it, and they realize that they, that it's not going how they wanted. 
And then there's just no recovering, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't go to see the Rolling Stones play if they didn't practice their craft. And so you want to think that any time that you're teaching, it's a performance like that. You know, you want to be like Mick Jagger. You don't want to be like some amateur that just walks in and picks up the instrument for the first time and, and starts trying to sing. You have to be pretty extraordinary talent to be able to do that. Yeah. So I, I do want to, like, since we're talking about moving the class along and practicing and all that, here's the thing that can really get a teacher hung up, both online and off, but I think especially online. Uh, I've had this happen one or two times where you're dealing with students, they're at different levels. Like you've got somebody in, they're a total beginner, and then you've got somebody who's super advanced, thinks they know more than the teacher, and suddenly you don't want to get, hung up only doing stuff where you're focused on the beginners, where you're going to bore the people who know what they're talking about, but you also don't want to talk over somebody else's head. How do you deal with different student levels? What's your advice? Um, it's a good question. I mean, Bri, you can answer I, this too because I'm curious what you guys <laughs> think. So in general, uh, the classes that I teach are usually targeted towards people who identify as being a certain level. So I don't really teach beginner's classes much anymore. Um, I, I sort of tend to teach more intermediate advanced. You know, I get a lot of people who are professional readers taking my classes. Um, so the the spread in that range, even though there is, there's still a spread, it's usually not as, as dramatic um, as you would think. Um, you know, I tend to I tend to work to really like when I was I teach a conference and stuff where it, where it could be quite open ended. I tend to really make sure that I cover the material in the really utterly simplest way possible, and with the most explanation that I can give, so that when mm-hmm. I'm giving somebody a spread or a practice or something to do. It's been made so clear that everybody knows what's going on and then the beginners aren't caught up in, and lost in doing the actual thing, although they may have questions about execution. They, they don't tend to have questions about, so what card was card three again? Because the handouts and the, the conversation have all sort of made that super, super clear. And then usually through sort of anecdotal and, and story-driven ways of talking about stuff, kind of point to other levels of working with it. And then I'll entertain questions from people who are at different levels interacting with that sort of, you know, that, that here's, the, here's the clear practice, here's some stories about it, and the stories sort of point to other levels of practice. Um, and then if somebody's, you know, way way off in the stratosphere and, you know, um, you know, looking at it from some other planet in a good way, um, you know, I, I might tell them to come talk to me after class if they are, you know, way out of the orbit of everybody else. Um, and with people who are sort of at that beginner level, I tend to look at it as that people are there to learn the thing that I'm teaching. So covering stuff that makes sure that people have learned that is the priority. Um, and that sort of 201 or 301 level stuff um, it's sort of more if I can get to it and if it can be 
handled in the same space. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. You, what about you, Bree? I again, I like, I really like what Andrew said. Um, there's a reason that we had him on the show because we knew he was so on top of it. Um, I I do pretty much the same thing, and you know what I would add, and I I know that Andrew does this in his own way because again, I've participated um, as a teacher in one of his classes is that, you know, I think questions are super helpful. So because mm-hmm. I have a background in facilitating conversations between adults about really hard books where, like, everyone is a beginner and nobody knows what the hell they're talking about, I really have seen the power of asking a question instead of making a statement. So, you know, if a student makes a statement and it kind of shuts down the conversation, or I see that it's causing confusion, I will reframe that as a question. And often, like, that little twist will just make a really huge difference and create an opening where before there was a closed door. Um, and then, you know, as far as student levels, like, my I too, uh, you know, definitely present, by and large, my stuff is not for beginners. Or my stuff is for beginners who are not expecting me to spoon feed them because I don't do that. And, and I have like a strong stance against that. And so my students know that they're going to have to work. They're going to have to think about this stuff themselves. Um, you know, I'm there as a guide and I'm there to assist them in the journey, but I am not there to tell them what the answers are. And so I think that, the, you know, the clearer you are about who it is that you're teaching and and your style of teaching as well really helps with the different student levels. And then the other thing, again, that I find really helpful are the forums because, you know, people mm-hmm. will tend to sort themselves out. So, like, if you're a brand-new beginner and you're like, Ace always means like a new beginning. What? Who knew that? I didn't know that. She said that so casually. That was confusing. Um, you'll find like, you know, a group of people who are like, yeah, right on. I didn't know that either. Huh? And then, you know, you'll find the more intermediate and advanced students who, you know, are going to talk about that until the cows come home. And so I think that that's really helpful because then you find your affinity group and then you also start to, to exchange information. And, you know, my attitude about beginners is that everyone should take beginner classes. You know, when I Mm -hmm. danced, I I was taught by my dance teachers, all of them from ballet to belly dance, that you should always take fundamental beginning classes to refresh yourself because those beginning classes have everything that then you're going to take into your, your level of mastery. So I'm a big believer in making those fundamentals available. Um, and I don't think that, you know, I don't think beginner is synonymous with dumbing down in any way. Sometimes it's talked about that way. I know none of us feel that way about it. Um, so I think that there, you can do it where there's something for everyone, but you just have to be really clear about your style and also, again, like what the student expectations are. You know, like my students mm-hmm. know that they're going to have stuff to read. So that that's going to determine to some degree, like, do you want to work with me or not? And I have to say, too, uh, because I teach yoga part-time, you know, everybody always wants to do in yoga the advanced poses. 
They want to do headstand. They want to do curl. Well, I should say except my students. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of students they want to do, they want to do the fancy things. And oftentimes I'll say with those students, we're going to do a class on the basics because you always have to go back to the basics. And, you know, they get really yeah. – sometimes if it's somebody who wants to be advanced, they get a little pissy about that. But your basic classes – are your foundation. And I do, I, I have to admit, I really enjoy working with beginners because they are so open. They're so curious. And one of my favorite things to do with beginners is to to make it so things that are not intimidating for them. And I'm really quite good with that. You know, I work with students of all levels, but I really do have to say I, I enjoy them quite a bit. I love that. You do. I'm seeing you in action, and that's really true. You have such a beautiful way of, like, helping people just not feel intimidated by this stuff because it can be really intimidating. And you can look at 78 cards and just think there's no way. It's never going to happen. Right. You know? And teaching astrology is even worse. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. So, Andrew, You know, another big question that comes up often is, is, okay, when you've got your class, you've got your platform, your online platform, whatever it's going to be, you're ready to rock, and then how do you market? What is the best way to market your online classes? Like, what works for you? What do you like? And also, I'd be interested to know, what do you like to stay away from? Oh, such a such a question. <laughs> yeah, I thought they were going to get easier. The questions were going to get easier. Um, so, I think that I think that I am a fan of having a mailing list and of building a mailing list of people who want to do business with you over time. And I, I've i tried all sorts of stuff, and I find that Facebook ads and, and those things are largely a waste of time. I run them sometimes. Usually, like, if I feel like a course needs to remind people to set up, to sign up, then I will run those. But I really, I, I rarely get new sales from that. Um, because more so what happens is I run the ads and a bunch of people that are, who are in my orbits who I knew would sign up anyway, all sign up like in the days where that's running. It's a, it's a way of being like, Hey, by the way, this is starting soon. And you said you want to be a part of it. Um, so I'm not a big fan of, of advertising or paying to advertise. I think it's really easy to spend a lot of money for a lot of dubious results. And a lot of those things, especially on Facebook, they just become these endless loops, right? You pay to advertise. Advertising gets you more likes on your business page. Your business page struggles to reach people because of the way they've stacked the algorithms where they're paying to advertise. But then paying to advertise to people who are already on your page circles back to, you know, mostly just getting new likes who you can't reach anyway. You know, that's kind of been my experience of it. Um, I find that uh, it's it's easy to sort of be parts of various Facebook groups or or social media groups and things 
Um, a lot of those are often overcrowded and competitive or, you know, I recently just posted something for a class that I just launched in a group and I forgot that their policy was uh, courses can only be advertised as a comment on a thread on a Monday. And I was like, I can't keep track of these things. I'm just going to leave this because it's not worth my my attention to try and remember such things. Because, again, then, it doesn't really stand out, you know, and it doesn't tend to really get much um, influence, right? Um, so, you know, I tend to tend to more and more market by not marketing. I, you know, I run my podcast, which, which is great for my business, um, but is really also just an extension of my desire to have profound conversations with people. So it's a way in which people can get to know me and get to see me or hear me. And, you know, people often see that and, and listen to that and think, yeah, I'd like to learn this from him or, wow, the way in which he gives attention on the podcast is a way in which I would like attention, so I'm going to come for a reading. Um, but it's very indirect, you know. I don't tend to be super pushy about that stuff. Um, I think that marketing, uh, you know, you need to make sure that you're speaking up about your stuff on the regular. Uh, it's really easy to think that people know what's going on or that you're reaching lots of people, but you're not. Uh, you know, even in the last six months, I had somebody say to me, I didn't, and this is a person that I know in the world and who's active on my social media. And they're like, I didn't realize you had a store, Andrew. And I'm like, really? <laughs> How did that escape your attention? How did that not get connected? But for whatever reason, they didn't make that connection. You know, and I mean, I have a store, a physical store in Toronto that I've been running for five, almost six years now. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm quiet about it. It's always, I'm always talking about it. Um, but yet, you know, they didn't make the connection. So you need to get it out there. Um, and I think that I would be really um, focused on trying to share with people how they're going to feel from having taken your class and what they're going to walk away from, you know, with, walk away from it with, you know. I think it's really uh, – I, I dislike marketing where people are using fear-based tactics, where people mm-hmm. are being pushy. Um, where people are like offering you a Ginsu knife with your registration, you know, like I think that I think that a lot of those things are really awkward and uncomfortable, and I think that there's no reason that marketing needs to be awkward and uncomfortable. You know, I worked in advertising for years, and I think that a lot of the a lot of the best advertising is stuff that it's not really even advertising at all. It's being present and being seen by people and trusting that that is the marketing that you need to do. Wise words. I don't think I could agree more. Mm-hmm. So we are now coming up to the ending of our show and we're going to wrap up. And, you know, I, I want to start out by taking a moment to let's, let's talk about our biggest takeaways from these episodes. What about you, Bree? Well, I love Andrew. And I loved everything he said. But I really, what I think was an overarching theme that I think is really, really helpful is the theme of boundaries. 
right? Whether it's yes. your boundary with technology, your student's boundary with technology, your boundary with time, um, your student's boundary with their learning curve. Like again and again, I heard the theme of boundaries. And I especially think that that is important because online things can feel very boundaryless, right? Because you don't have a room full of people that you're interacting with and you know, you don't see somebody who's getting wiggly because they have to go to the bathroom and so kind of get the social cue, like, oh, it's time to take a break. You know, you don't, like, like rooms and spaces by definition are bounded in a way that our online experiences are not. And so I think that Andrew's just been really dead on to say again and again, like, this is about your boundary with whatever it is mm-hmm. that we're talking about. So that that was a huge takeaway and it's a really good reminder, you know, even for me, like as many online classes as I do, like that's a really important thing to remember and it's not intuitively present with this particular medium. So I deeply appreciate that. What about you, Ms. Teresa? What is your biggest takeaway? Well, actually my favorite takeaway was what Andrew had to say about the marketing part because, you know, I think the marketing part you really assume when you're doing, especially an online class, that you've got to be all over the place constantly in people's face. And I, I love the idea about the relationships and the list and really doing gentle marketing. And I think for a lot of people who are sacred artists, that just feels right. So I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it, it, I, at some point I started saying, when when I was thinking about marketing and thinking about building my business, you know, I was like, well, if I'm still going to be doing this in 20 years, what? how do I conduct myself and what kinds of relationships do I want to still be having in 20 years, right? Because it's so easy to become very short-sighted about it or to try and like, you know, make it big or cash it or whatever. But I think that if you're looking to build a life and to build a business that's tied to your life, then, then looking at it in that sort of gentler, bigger arc just makes so much mm-hmm. more sense, and 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 is almost immediately more comfortable for people. Right on. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I really agree. I think that's right. And I mean, you know, some people will say marketing is telling your story, and I think in the sacred arts, like we love story. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, connecting connecting through good storytelling and not like, uh, you know, crash, bang, boom, kind of scare tactics, like you said, especially, um, I think is, I think that's really critical. Can I just say about marketing? So, I can't yes, stand fear tactics, marketing. but I, the, all, the other thing I can't stand are people who make false promises. And they talk all the unicorns and stuff. And one thing I will say real quick, and then we we got to move on because we got to finish up, is that, Andrew, you never do any of that. You know, that every time I see you putting anything out there, it's always just like, here I am. This is what this is all about. There's never fear. There's never any of this, what I call dream vulture energy. So I really love that you set that example for people. So just wanted to put that out there. Thanks. I agree. I agree. (laughs) So toward, no, I think that's important. That's really important to say. So towards the end of each episode, we 
like to share a few fun tidbits, like the books that we've been reading lately or the blogs that we're obsessed with, favorite songs, TV shows, food, stuff that's fun like that. Just, you know, things we like. We think that you guys might also enjoy discovering. Sometimes these will be business-related recommendations and sometimes not because, you know, you can't just do business 24-7, although sometimes we want to, we can't. It's not good for you. So, Miss Teresa, I know what your answer is going to be. I don't even know why I'm asking you this question. <laughs> Teresa, what's something you've discovered recently or something you've been loving lately or something you've been obsessed with and giving us awesome Facebook updates about lately? Hmm, what could that be? <laughs> well, of course, I have, No spoilers. No spoilers. I have, <laughs> I have three things. I actually have three things that I want to talk about. First of all, of Ooh. course, it's the Game of Thrones season finale, which was fabulous. I will not give anyone any spoilers. You guys know I'm like totally obsessed with the Game of Thrones, and it was really great. It lived up to all my expectations and made me happy. Even though there's of course those moments there that flip you out, but overall, I walked away feeling very satisfied. So that's all I'm going to say about that. And the other two things I really want to briefly talk about are actually business-related things that I think are really important. Um, there is a gal who runs a website called Wild Mystic Woman. Her name is, and I'm not going to say it right. I, I hope I get this right. It's Layla Saad, uh, L-A-Y-L-A, and her last name is S-A-A-D. And she wrote this incredible blog post that has been getting a ton of traffic, and I think it's one that everyone should read. Uh, it is called, let me make sure I get the right title on this. Uh, let me just open it up real quick. Uh, it's called, I Need to Talk to, to Spiritual White Women About White Supremacy, and it's a really uh, intense blog post that I really think a lot of uh, uh, sacred artists, we, we need to read this. You know, if you consider yourself a a spiritual woman or a teacher and you're white, I think this is something that you really want to be paying attention to because she's got a lot to say there. I'm not going to give it all away. Just go to wildmysticwoman.com and click on Poetry and Prose. You'll find it there. And that also leads me to another woman who's been putting up some pretty great stuff is Kelly Deals. Kelly Deals um, has a blog, Kelly Deals, and I think it's D-I-E-L-S. But she's also been writing a lot about this female lifestyle empowerment brand. And these two women are putting up some interesting, thought-provoking things that I think all of us, females and males too, I think all of us need to read this stuff because they're talking a lot about marketing and privilege and et cetera, et cetera. And it's making me think a lot. So that's what I've been into lately. How about you? And we're going to ask you, too. How about you, Bree? What have you been into lately? I know about Layla's or Leela's post, and it's, it's a two-part post, I believe, and it is. It's very, very good. I really I enjoyed that as well, and Kelly's work is fabulous. Um, I have been into – okay, so I started a new – you guys know that I like fiction, and I like detective stories because my Mercury is in Scorpio in the eighth house. And so there's a new series, and Teresa, you would like it because it's all really all about food. Um, and the first book in the series is Chief Inspector Bruno. And these are books that are written, and they take place in the south of France. I think there's like 18 of them. And the author, I want to say his name is Martin Walker, but that could be incorrect. Um, he, like, he's a nonfiction writer, and he's like, he's a political correspondent. He, like, ran a think tank in D.C., like, 
he has this whole other professional life. And then he just started writing these stories, these detective stories, just for fun. And so they take place in the south of France. They're very food-centric. They have awesome characters. They have great dramas. I really, really have been enjoying them. So I have been – I've really been, like, loving that as I make the transition from summer into school. And that's the other thing I've been into. I've been into kindergarten, guys. My six-year-old is starting <laughs> kindergarten this year. And I'm super into it. Like, their costume is so awesome. It made me want to turn my office space into, like, a kindergarten classroom and, like, have one of those, you know, dry erase, like, things with bright crayons on it or, like, kitty cats in different colors where I can write down every student's name that I have and, like, give them gold stars. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm at that level. Everything I needed to know I learned in kindergarten, and it's pretty awesome, I have to tell you. <laughs> so what about you, Andy, Andy, what, about, what about you? Yeah, what are you into these days? So, I mean, I'm I'm currently all about rock climbing. I've been doing I got back into rock climbing last summer and it's obsessing me. I like go to the gym and and climb and then I come home and I obsess about the climbs that I couldn't figure and try and figure out how I can get further up the wall with them. So that's been like my my big personal fixation is is doing that and and getting there as often as I can. Um, I think uh, I'd say there's a podcast I listen to, which people, if you're inclined to to dig deeper to technology and you're a Macintosh person, um, there's a, a podcast called Mac Power Users that I listen to every week. And I think it's from there that I discovered Zoom. And there's so many different things that I use. They they tend to do a mix of uh, what they call workflow shows and then just sort of general conversation shows about things. But it's all people who are doing stuff with these technologies and how do they make it easier and how do they streamline it and what tools are out there and how are they overcoming problems and stuff. And, you know, they're all problems that um, everybody who's running a business is going to deal with. How do you deal with email? How do you deal with this? How do you How do you deal with getting a scheduler up and online? So that's super, super helpful. So that, that would maybe be my other recommendation. Well, that's a very awesome. So, yeah, and I use all Mac stuff, so that's something I think I need to get into, definitely. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, workflow, that sounds delightful. This is this is how we nerd out. Um, so last exactly. but not least, as always. Yeah, exactly, right? I was like, Ooh, a computer podcast. This is super sexy, but I'm serious when I say that. So, as always, we have a few announcements. So, Teresa, what is happening in Tarot Lady World? Is there anything you want our listeners to know about that's going on in your business world? Any upcoming classes or new projects? Well, speaking of classes, I am going (laughs) to be co-teaching a class with Andrew. It's called Sex death and destruction with tarot and it's an online class so since we're talking about online classes this fits in perfect you can register at thehermitslamp.com and these classes are beginning they're going to be on wednesdays october 11th 18th and 25th from 7 30 to 9 30 p.m eastern time so that's the big thing over here what about you brie and andrew we want to know if there's anything else coming up with you too brie what about you what's coming up 
The big thing for me is that this is the last week to register for Spinning Gold. So if you want to dive deeper into the sacred arts and storytelling and the stories that inspire them and teach us how to work with various sacred arts, this is the course for you. So we close registration on September 2nd, and we'll begin with the Ballad of Tamlin. And that is like the big thing that's going on here. Next month, there'll be more goodies, but for now, it's all spinning gold. What about you, Andrew? What's happening in the hermit's lamp world? Well, I, I admit, I've been a little AWOL at the end of end of summer here because I've got a big push on to complete my tarot deck and book and get it into the fine people at Llewellyn for September 12th. So I've been doing nothing but writing and drawing in all my spare time, um, but as soon as I've done that, I'm going to be doubling down and coming back to my podcast, um, which which has sort of been backburnered a little bit, which I really, really love. You know, I've been getting people who are into magic and living a spiritual life or working as diviners and having conversations with them about stuff that I think really matters, um, about how they're living and how they view the world and how they're sort of dealing with with the various problems and challenges that come up with with just being in the world and being alive and and trying to you know be a balanced and kind human being so i'm I'm excited to get back to that and uh you know that's generally a bi weekly thing but uh but right now through the end of summer back to school it's a little bit on the back burner awesome so before we sign out yeah. off. If you're listening to this show, remember, and if you love it, and we hope you do love it, please leave a nice little review on iTunes because that's going to help more metaphysical business owners find their way to Talking Shop. And you can listen to all of our previous shows for free by going to iTunes and you want to click on Podcasts and you want to put in Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree and click on that. You should be able to find us. You can also find our previous podcast episodes by going to my website, thetarolady.com. You want to click on a tab called Free Resources and hop on down to Podcasts. You'll find the Talking Shop podcast there. Bree, where can they find it on your site? Same deal, you guys. Go ahead and head over to com. There you will find a tab that says Books and Resources, and if you click underneath that to the free resources page, you will find both the upcoming episode and the archives right there. All right, folks. So that's a wrap for this episode. And next month, we are going to be talking with Ryan Edward, the wonderful artist behind the Maybe Lenormand Tarot, uh, Lenormand deck, and all kinds of other goodies about, you know, we're going to be talking about a lot about logos and design and all that good stuff. So please join us again. Uh, for another round of Talking Shop. But until then, you can find me, Teresa, at thetarolady.com. And, Brie, where can they find you? You all can find me at briannasafi.com. Thanks again for listening, everyone. We hope that you take the next month to keep taking action to build the mystical business of your dreams. Stay on your drive and make it a great month. We know that you will. Bye-bye.